speeding and the sound is speeding. Hi, welcome to another episode of This Week with Drew for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. <laughs> On today's episode, we got, holy frig, I friggin' fixed the computer issue. Turns out nothing was wrong with the computer, just me. Guess what? Because I'm a big motherfucking dumb E. PC is not for me, because you know I think I am B-I-L-L-G-A-T-E-S. No. Ain't no stress, because you know now we up on the rhythm and the flow. Hi, welcome to another episode of This Week with Drew for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Okay, I'm so jacked to be back up and running here with this fucking podcast. Again, I am sorry for the last week and a half. Monday's episode, if you could call it that, was an absolute fucking shit show, tire fire, disaster. And I only put it out, and I told you why I put it out, is because of the fucking cold cut combo, buddy. If it wasn't for you guys and the loyal Patreons of this podcast, I would not have put out that shit garbage episode. But uh, you gotta feed the content machine, man. I'm the content machine, and I'm hungry. For your videos, audios, and images. <laughs> this fucking self-affirming beast of the content machine. Anyways, uh, we're back up and running. Full steam ahead. I was uh, I figured out what the problem was. I had a shitty fucking USB and I was um I was doing everything as on the USB drive rather than the C drive when I should be rendering to the USB drive, but the actual podcast should be recorded using the capabilities of the fucking Computer. Uh, yeah, so anyways, I think that's what it is because now I switched it out to rather than being like the directory of my e USB removable drive, I've actually got it as my C drive and everything appears to be running smoothly. Okay, so let's start off the podcast with a little bit of a How was my motherfucking All right, that was a fucking pretty metal one. Um, how are you? How was your week? I hope you're having a good week. Uh, big fucking snow dumps, hey? Oh, big fucking snow dumps all around the city. I, uh, but Toronto got slammed if you're in Alberta. The only two areas of people that listen to this podcast, the Southern Ontario area and the Northern Alberta, Ontario area, both got absolutely fucking hammered with snow. Uh, it was pretty awesome. I got some snowshoes for Christmas, so I took those out for a little rip. Uh, it was, which is pretty fun, man. Snowshoeing is it's exhausting. It's, uh, it's pretty fucked up. But I wrote a joke. Uh, I wrote a joke because I saw a guy in the snowstorm riding his bike and I'm like, what the fuck is with the, and it's always a white guy. It's like, what are you riding your fucking bike around here, buddy? Like, okay, I get it. Your Mr. Bike is my main mode of transportation, but like, you don't need to be biking around in a fucking blizzard, man. Who are you? Who are you impressing? You know, you don't see me busting out my uh, my cross country skis in July, and then I do a big act out on the concrete of me cross country skiing, and it goes real like a JB Smooth joke. <laughs> but yeah, at least I wrote a bit about that. Uh, you don't see me on my cross country skis in July. I promise it's funnier on stage. Uh, so yeah, we got fucking hammered with snow. Courtney, it works in Georgetown, which is 45 minutes away from Toronto. Um, and she's from Georgetown and she actually teaches at the elementary that she went to, which is fucking do 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 I could not fucking do that, but she's down. 
Um, so she went and stayed at her mom's house in anticipation of a giant snowstorm, uh, you know, fucking her up, like dying on the road or whatever, not getting to work on time. But then they canceled fucking school for two days in a row. So she was literally just stuck in Georgetown. I was all by myself with a fucking sick Terry. Oh, Jesus, Terry. He, uh, he always gets this goopy eye infection around this time of year, like twice a year he'll get it. But it always, he's such a fucking sensitive guy that like when his eyes fucked up, he's like, oh, I'm sick. And he just doesn't, he doesn't want to fucking eat. And he just lays around and he like paws at you to like, man, we need you. But he still eats his like peanutter treats because they're like peanutters and he fucking loves peanutters. And uh, so he'll still fuck with that. So I was like some frantic dog parent like fucking trying to mix his food with like peanut butter. Or I read that you could mix it with like chicken stock to soften it up. And then he smelt it and was like, Ugh, what is this? You serve me. Bouillon. <laughs> How dare you serve me bouillon? My dad was telling me he's he's um if you don't know my family's been in the restaurant industry uh for most of my life my dad was in the restaurant industry um and uh he used to work at this place called Clothes which in Edmonton there's a very famous restaurant called La Boheme which is a very fancy French culinary fucking um you know escarté fucking whatever based restaurant and uh and then there was this guy claude and then and then the guy uh, ernest so it was ernst and claude who ran la boheme and then they had some big fucking french guy feud and then uh my dad <laughs> went to go work for clothes uh for claude and then he was like whatever the the guy there and and then claude would always talk about ernst being like you know how you make an omelet at la boheme like he, every time la boheme would come up he'd be like you know how to make an omelet at la boheme first you steal three eggs. <laughs> and then my dad is fucking, uh, he's at the steam room or whatever in the neighborhood. As all old guys, once you get over 60, if you live in North Edmonton, you have to go to the steam three times a week. It's a law. Uh, so <laughs> so he's at the steam and Winston is there. And Winston doesn't know that my, or not Winston, Ernest. Or Ernst, why did I say Winston? Uh, Ernst is there um, because, uh, you know, he's an old guy too. And my dad doesn't, uh, and he doesn't know that my dad worked for Claude. So my dad is chatting him up for like years or whatever. And then finally he decides to break the silence. And he goes, uh, you know, Ernst, I don't know if you know this, but I actually have a connection to Claude. And he goes, what? Claude? You know how to make an omelet at Claude's? You steal three eggs. Which <laughs> is like Kev fucking, uh, my dad's really funny. That's where I got a lot of my humor from is from my dad. So anyways, uh, I don't even know why I started talking about, uh, clothes or French, anything, uh, go cause Alberta, whatever. So the big snowstorm hit and that's fine. Cause I've just been, um, I've been at home. I started with breakfast television this week as a production segment, production intern. So, which is pretty cool. It's a pretty fun job. It's kind of like booking uh, guests on a podcast. Really. It's like no different than just like coming up with an idea for a podcast and then being like, well, I got to find someone to fucking talk about this thing on the podcast. So it's like pretty straightforward and I like it. It's like a creative, it's a creative writing and a creative thinking job. And I didn't think I would like being creative within the corporate infrastructure. I'd always, my whole life, you know, I didn't, I don't like the corporate infrastructure. So why would I like doing what I like to do within the corporate infrastructure? But I realized that this is a, you know, Rogers, they need, they sell, they sell, you know, entertainment and they need creatives to come up with it. It's the only thing that you can't outsource is fucking creativity. So they have to take these people, these fucking long hairs, fucking hat wearing, whatever, you know what I mean? 
So it's just a room full of creative, like-minded individuals who are all artists and whatever in their own right or writers or anything like that. Or, you know, they're interested in, in history and culture and politics and, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And so within the corporate infrastructure, it's just goofing off because, you know, it's not it's it's not like they like obviously that we all operate within the corporate infrastructure. But within that infrastructure is the unwillingness to be corporate, uh, which I which I was w worried about that that within the corporate infrastructure, the creativity process would be you know, or, you know, corporatized or red taped or you got to fill out X amount of things, you know, some sort of quantifiable creativity, which is a fucking oxymoron, but it's not, it's just, Hey, what do you got for this week? Fucking pitch it up. Okay. Boom. And then there's, it doesn't seem like anyone is like, you know, you're all just here to work and, and you just get the fucking job done figure out something. What's it? Winter's coming up. So they're like winter camping, you know? And so my big pitch, this was my first big pitch meeting of the week, my first ever pitch meeting ever. And so I got to do a pitch and, uh, it's for black history month. I was, they want something for black history month. And the guy was going off about, he's like, we need panels, you know, we need panels. We got no, nothing, no, no panels or whatever. And I already had this idea and it was a panel idea. So he's going off on the guy on, on them for not having panels. And then it's my turn. I'm like, well, if you're looking for panels, they look no further than right now this pitch. And I'm like, I want to do, uh, so it's, uh, Kenny Robinson has been running the Nubian night in 20 for in Toronto for 27 years. And the guy goes, he's like, Oh yeah. Uh, Kenny Robinson, Nubian disciples of comedy. I, uh, I produced a television fucking whatever for them, like a bunch of years ago. He's like, I love Kenny. He's great. And then I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm thinking they could talk about the cultural significance of the show in Toronto to the black community. And John Paul, who's a, a friend of the show. Um, you know, he said he wouldn't be a stand up without Kenny Robinson. And the show, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I can't believe I didn't think of this. Boom. And it's just like, it's like instantly, as soon as I said Kenny Robinson, he's like, yeah, done. Like he just like booked the fucking thing. So it's like, I went up to the plate for my first ever television pitch ever and just fucking cranked a Joey Bats Homer, buddy, fucking flipped it. Woo. Uh, so yeah, I feel good, man. I honestly feel really good about this job. I never thought I would want to actually work. I never thought I would want to do anything other than stand up. I didn't, and I, and I, you know, I always, I've done other jobs other than stand up, you know, working at Long McQuay, blah, 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 or I shouldn't, uh, working at whatever, <laughs> working at guitar stores, uh, and, uh, like, there's only one left, it's like, yeah, fuck, um, so, oh, whoops, dropped my strat, speaking of guitar, so, you know, but I actually, and it's like, I thought, I'm like, all, you know, from all my adult life, I'm like, all I want to do is stand up full time. But I didn't want to do it like road. I didn't want to do it road dog style. I like I wanted fans. I want I wanted to do it like I wanted to do small theaters. Like that was always my goal. It's like I want to be able to come to fucking your town, and you come to see me because you've like heard of me for some reason, whether it be fucking through whatever TV, whatever. I didn't know that was the I was the underpants gnomes with that. It was, it was do stand up comedy and then fucking get fans, and then whatever make make money and happiness and then do stand-up comedy did not lead to getting fans so it's just like okay does that mean i suck at stand-up but it's like no so it's like how do you convert audience members into fans and i realized it's like oh we're when i started stand-up in 2009 youtube was only two years old and instagram didn't exist yet and facebook was still in its infancy and the way i learned to do stand-up and the way that i had learned uh the model uh, was I was learning a dying it's dead it, it, it's it died three four fucking uh, I want to say yeah maybe like 
once Instagram started really getting heavy, so maybe even less, so longer than that, probably like I started in 2009 and the model that I learned how to be a successful stand-up comedian probably died in like 2011. <laughs> and then I can, and I didn't, and I should have, but I fucking didn't realize cause I was so head first into it and it was fucking, it's not my fault. Uh, I should have been smart enough to see through it, but there was just a chokehold on the Edmonton comedy scene about how to do comedy and what the right way to do comedy is and, and who, who does what and who books where. And if you came up in Edmonton stand up and anywhere in the early two thousands or, you know, middle 2000, 2000, 2005 to 2015, you know, um, it was, it was, it was. It was a weird culture, man, um, <laughs> and uh, it didn't allow for any sort of outside thinking um, in terms of the business aspect. There was only one business aspect. There was the professional guy who who is. I, I mean, to this day, the dude is the fucking. He's a he's the epitome of professionalism, right? Onst always constantly booked, always constantly making money, doing stand up. The epitome of professional. Uh, you know, and I learned a lot of lessons in that. And that's one that I wish I didn't hold on to as hard because I had seen the monetary relative monetary success. And I thought, okay, great. But what I didn't realize at the time is that I didn't want that kind of, I wanted that monetary success, but I didn't want it that way. I wanted it through the real way, which is through fans. And I think that anybody else who's a stand up comedian who calls themselves a full time stand up comedian, uh, who doesn't have fans or doesn't sell tickets that you're not, you're a mobile entertainer and you're no different than a fucking DJ or a fucking wedding band. And I honestly believe that um, because you're not, you're, they're not there to see you. They're to see comedy with a capital C. They're not there to see fucking me. I've done th small theater shows in my hometown, you know, where that's easy, but if, uh, but you know, that's bragging rights. Okay. So yeah. So you could sell a bunch of tickets in your hometown. Can you fucking sell that exact same amount of tickets at, 15 different venues across the country well then no then that's not even real then then those tickets aren't even real it might be a fucking it's a microscopic sphere of influence so i think i'm am going to be happy in this because i can use the edifice of the fucking billion dollar rogers corporation to try to fucking you know anybody who is as is known like the last of the of the last well-known if you want to be a four quadrant person is you need to be on nationally broadcasted fucking media there's no way you can get a million fucking fans. You can get millions of fans, but you're not going to be four quadrant. Um, and by four quadrant, I mean appealing to young, old men and women. I got a lot of buddies who are one quadrant fucking millionaires, right? And that's great too. Um, but I, I don't know. I want something different. I want to, I want to, I want to be able to come to your town and fucking sell tickets. And, you know, obviously I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about, but you know, I want it to be, uh, I want to be relatable and relevant and anyways, so I think I'm going to be happy just fucking in this, in this edifice and, and yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I learned from my comedy mentors in Edmonton from one of them. I learned professionalism. Uh, absolutely. That's the lesson to take away from that is to be professional in all your endeavors. But then also what I learned was, um, don't be so professional that you lose sight of what the job is, um, of, 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 of being a comedian. Right. Don't make it a uh, or I should say, don't make it a job or what am I trying to say? Yeah. Don't lose focus of what the purpose is. OK, that's what I meant to say is don't lose focus of what the don't be so professional that you've lost the essence and the purpose of stand up comedy. From another mentor, I learned perseverance. 
Uh, this guy was a fucking, let's see if Alex can get every single one of these. You know who the first one is. For another mentor, he taught me perseverance. This guy's a fucking road dog out there for the last 30 fucking years. He's had no, nothing but comedy jobs. He's He'll drive wherever the fuck to wherever the fuck and shit all over your town and you're going to fucking pay him for it. And, uh, and that's that, that, you know, that show must go on mentality, wake up at whatever time, get to the show. The show is the most important thing and smashing at the show is the most important thing. Um, and I learned that perseverance of, of just get fucking, you know, never stop doing stand up ever to go and just never fucking stop, go out on the road and never fucking stop. That I never stopped doing stand up, and that's the perseverance I learned from this guy. But what I also learned from him was uh, how to not be crazy, <laughs> and that um, there are certain pitfalls and trap falls of this job. That if you're not careful, you're gonna get sucked into them. Gambling, um, you know, emotional fucking, you know, instability, emotional, you know, fuck fuckery in your personal life. Um, you know, you can't, you can't have that, you know, you got to be a nice, you got to keep your shit tight, man. And, and, and keep your emotions under cool and, and cooler heads will always prevail. Another comedy guy. Oh man, this guy, he taught me fucking decency and what it means to care for younger comics and to be a, uh, to be a real role model and a, and a comfortable father figure where, you know, if you're in the car with this guy, you're going to feel like you're in the car with your dad, man. And that like, if the you know, if there's a flat tire, he, you know, he, you know, you know, he's got some cash. He's not going to be looking at you like, buddy, we, I just spent all the money at the gig last night on liquor and that whore, you know, he's going to be, uh, he's like a comedy dad and he taught me how decency and how to be a decent person. And, uh, and he taught me, you know, how to be a normal person in this industry and be normal and be nice and be a fucking regular, normal fucking person and don't have fucking weird rules and, just be a fucking regular person and we're and and to appreciate the job the 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 road man appreciate it you know we're out here in these small towns let's go to a you know try some of this beef jerky or let's see what this beer is about this brewery you know and enjoy the road and cuz that's where you're spending most of your time is on the fucking road so enjoy it and find those little spots in those towns and and those little segways that are if it takes you 20 minutes extra longer to get there well fuck they got good muffins here so let's do it you know and I learned that, but you know what else I learned from him though, was to go all in, man. Cause if you don't go all in, well then, you know, you're going to have a, uh, you know, a certain level of return and whatever you invest into standup is what you get back. And if you don't go all in, then you're going to attain a certain level of success and, and that's what it's going to be forever. And if you're happy with that, then great. But if not, if you want more, you know, then you got to go all in and commit fully to this. Another one of my comedy mentors taught me precision and joke writing and just what it means to be the absolute funniest person in the room and to not give a fuck about anything other than absolutely being the most funniest person and focus entirely on how can you be the funniest thing that how can you say the funniest things possible and be the most effective comedian um and just and and how to do that. But then he also taught me that there's other aspects of stand-up that you need to focus on to be successful. Because even if you are the literal, quite possibly the funniest person in this country, if you don't have the, you know, if you can't promote yourself or if you can't get out there in front of a camera online, you know, um, you're going to also accept a certain level of success. And that's going to be with you for the rest of your career too. So, Yeah. The fucking Mount Rushmore of Edmonton stand-up. Let's see if you can get those. 
one by one. Uh, send me a message on Instagram if you know who the fuck I'm talking about. Okay, great. So yeah, that's been the week. We're finally back up and running. Uh, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you so much uh, for your perseverance and your patience in dealing with me and my shittiness. Uh, also, I have the weed stuff. Nick, don't fucking worry. You know me. I'll get it to you. <laughs> the weed's coming. Bubba, if you want some fucking extracts, send me a message when you hear this. Uh, anybody else who wants extracts, I have a whole fucking bunch right now. King Touch just keeps sending to me and I keep forgetting to send them to you guys. So I got like, I'm fucking backloaded. Uh, so just send me a message right now, Nick, uh, to remind me, even though you don't got to, I know it's coming down the pipe, but anybody else who wants extracts, uh, Baba, if you're listening or, uh, or anybody else, uh, who wants extracts, just let me know, send me a message and we'll get her going. Okay, so uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Promotional consideration for this week with Drew is provided by our Patreons. Would you like access to special bonus content like uh, fucked up episodes of my podcast, which I'm going to start uploading because I got a whole fuck ton from this week, Uh, (laughs) which I think you guys might find funny. I might clip that together into a montage. Uh, I also do interview episodes only on my Patreon, and you get an individualized, personalized shout-out on every single episode, just like these fine folks. Oh, uh, whoops, dropped all my papers. Uh, thank you to Isaac, Anthony, Blair, Kunal, Joel, Nick and Mac, Bubba, Marnus, Patrick, Bryce, Taryn, and in the motherfucking Hall of Fame, Colette and Andre, say they name. In the motherfucking Hall of Fame, it's Colette and Andre, say they name. Okay, I'm picking up my papers there. Also, promotional kids, go to patreon.com slash drewbame. And subscribe now for five bucks, uh, five bucks a month for all that bonus content. And then you also support the show and you also help pay for the show. And yeah, you guys are great because this show does cost money, surprisingly, somehow. <laughs> uh, and it ain't going to me. I'll tell you that much. Uh, also, promotional consideration for this week with Drew is provided by our sponsor, KingTutsCannabis.com. Go to KingTutsCannabis.com right now and use the promo code DREW for 10% off your order. That is right. It's KingTutsCannabis.com for 10% off at checkout. I don't like buying weed off the internet because I'm scared that the government is going to find me. Yeah, well, fuck the government and fuck you for being such a pussy. Go to KingTutsCannabis.com. Use the promo code DREW for 10% off at checkout. And that is the show. For this week of uh, December 20th, 2022, thank you so much for listening. I'm so jacked that I got this fucking shit figured out again. Woo! Now we're now we're back up and running. Now the content is really fucking going to start flowing. Okay. Fuck you, Alex.